You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Today we are in, believe it or not, Luke, where we've been for like 30 weeks. We are just making our way through the Gospel of Luke. After 12 years, we have now preached pretty fully through all four of the Gospels, occasionally with a lot of overlap, so we'll skip some stories that we've hit on in previous years. So, you know, you're, you're getting a lot of um, content, and you can go to the podcast if you want to dive into just everything that we've done over time. But today we're going to find ourselves in Luke 13, verses 31. I'll read it in a minute. I'll be in the ESV. Should anybody care to read along instead of just listening to me read? It's up to you. Um, But today's message, I think, is uh, helpful in this way, too. It's kind of like gearing us up for Reveal Jackson. Uh, Reveal is in two weeks, and... uh, The first half of the day is on the spiritual gift of hearing God's voice. But here's the thing. When God speaks in the Bible, his voice, when it's prophetic, can often sound like justice issues that provoke us, that get our attention. And we don't always like those kinds of topics. And so we tend to divide the church into kind of two kinds of prophetic, a supernatural one, where people are just listening on your individual behalf or a church's behalf, and then a social justice one where people are listening to provoke the church to be their calling. Now, Jesus' teachings were provoking everywhere he went. When people heard him speak, they'd sometimes hear him say things the opposite of what they were expecting. In fact, we just sang uh, a bunch of the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount has a whole lot of backward stuff. And when people are like, How can Jesus say these kinds of things? Jesus is like, I am the fulfillment of the law in the prophets. So if you did not understand the law before, if you did not understand the prophets before, then understand me. Because when I say these things, I am fulfilling it all. It's all fulfilled in love. Love for God and love for your neighbor. And so the Beatitudes show us the ways in which we are called to live, which can be provoking to ourselves and to others, that the meek would inherit the earth. Not the strong, but the meek. That's not usually the kind of people that inherit the earth, but Jesus comes and teaches like the backward ways of the kingdom of heaven. And people don't always like to hear that. But there was something interesting that happened when Jesus spoke. People were often enraptured by his exousia, which is a Greek word that more or less we translate as authority. Maybe you've heard someone preach like that before where the exousia in their message, there was almost something spiritual to it. Even if it felt kind of backwards from what you expected, even if it honed in on something that you didn't want to hear, the authority that that was carried in their words almost felt like the Holy Spirit was affirming the words out of them while they spoke, and you were caught up in the exousia of the moment. That happened with Jesus all the time, where people would hear him speak, and they're caught up in the authority, the exousia, of what he had to say, whether they understood it or not, whether they wanted to live out the Beatitudes or not, whether they wanted to turn the other cheek or not. There was something different in Jesus' voice than there was in the other religious leaders of their time. 
And so Jesus is preaching all over the place. He's telling all his parables. And now he's in Jerusalem. And this is, uh, this is a, a place where Jesus, of all people, being the prophet of prophets, should be welcomed in, should be accepted. People should elevate him to the highest place in Jerusalem. Like this guy is a prophet. This guy has God's voice within him. The spirit is infusing him. The exousia that's pouring out of him. The authority that we're experiencing in him. This is someone who should speak at the most top of the top of places. This is Washington, D.C. Of, of the Jewish times. Of their religion. Of their nation. Jesus is in their capital. The highest place. Mount Zion is another word we use. He's, he's on the mountain that is Jerusalem. He should be accepted here. Because prophets hear from God and speak from the religious heights. But here's what happens instead. The Pharisees, who are the ones trying to maintain the highest place, the, the temple, the, the mountain top, the ones who are trying to run Washington, D.C., they see Jesus come about and they go up to him and they, at that very hour, some Pharisees came to him and said, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. So Jesus is not only dealing with religious politics, he's also dealing with politician politics. Get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox. Always a nice way to speak to your political leaders. Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Let me read that again. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not come see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, Herod's out to kill you. Herod's out to get you. You need to get out of here. Jesus' response, I'm in Jerusalem, baby. This is where the prophets go to die. <laughs> What? I'm in Washington, D.C. This is where I go to die. This is where when people speak out, they try to silence us. That's the kind of atmosphere that Jesus faced. The New Testament writers talked about Jesus as though he was Lady Wisdom from the Old Testament. And the Old Testament Lady Wisdom was... God, essentially, creating life alongside God. And we know that Jesus did that. And so the Bible writers would often talk about Jesus as Lady Wisdom. And at one point, 
Jesus refers to himself as Lady Wisdom, saying, I sent you prophets, and you killed them all. And now Jesus is coming as the prophet of prophets, and he expects the same treatment. Just like you killed the prophets I sent you all throughout history, you're going to kill me too. Sure enough, he goes in Jerusalem at the hands of the religious leaders, feeding into local politics. Nobody wants to hear the prophet speak. And I wish this was just an Old Testament thing. But it just so happens that the very core of Christianity is built on the understanding that our Messiah is one of those people that we don't want to hear, and so we killed him. And I feel like if Jesus was to say this passage beyond the New Testament, you would say, oh, church, church, the city, the people, the organization that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. The church, the church. It should not be that a, perish should, uh, that a prophet should perish away from the church. Because we still have the same exact problem that we've always had. People don't want to hear prophets. And you can look throughout even like into ancient history, into recent history. In the Bible, prophets were partially stationed up to keep uh, uh, kings in check. The kings needed to know when they were in line with what God was trying to do and when they were out of line with what he was trying to do. And so the prophets would come along and speak to the king. They'd also speak to the society to say, this is how you guys are treating your poor. This is how you've done injustice in your reign. This is how your city is treating the marginalized. This needs to stop. God has said so. It needs to stop. And the kings did not like to hear this kind of stuff. Just like Herod didn't want to hear it, so the kings didn't want to hear it. There's an interesting story about King Ahab, a prophet named Micaiah. <laughs> it's this weird scenario that, that God kind of sets up. God is looking for a way to get rid of King Ahab, and he asks for all the angels to speak into it. The divine council's in session. He's like, what are we going to do? How are we going to get rid of this guy? And uh, one of the angels decides, well, what if I just go and like be a deceiving voice in all of the prophets there and so he'll hear the wrong thing and that will essentially get him killed because all the kings at the time were always listening to the wrong voices Micaiah knows what the plan is and Micaiah kind of uh, isn't really called in to give his opinion because the king does not like Micaiah's plans whenever Micaiah speaks he's not a he's not a a, a yes man so the king comes in to all of his prophets and he's like, all right, we're going to war. How are we going to go about it? Are we going to win? And the king brings all the prophets that he does like, all the yes men, to come and tell him what to do. And all of them are like, yeah, go to war, go to war, go to war. Let's do it. We're going to win. God is on your side. Blah, 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 blah. And then he decides to bring Micaiah, who he doesn't like hearing because he always says something he doesn't want to hear. He brings Micaiah in and says, Micaiah, what do you think? You know what Micaiah responds, based on the plan that God made, is, yeah, you should go to war. <laughs> Suddenly Micaiah is a yes man. He's never a yes man. And this throws King Ahab off. He's like, why are you on my side today? 
<laughs> he doesn't know that God's actually set it up in the background for Micaiah to kind of lie to the king. And the, the king catches him. He's like, this prophet never agrees with me. This is the one that always actually hears God's voice, unlike the others who just say whatever I want to hear. And so King Ahab is confused as to why a prophet is saying something in his benefit that day. And the story goes on, and God's plan is carried out. And then you move forward to other prophets who often had things to say to people that they didn't want to hear. Sometimes the prophets themselves did not want to hear the message. Jonah, anybody? <laughs> I mean, Jonah, Jonah tried so hard. Like God's like, you're going to go to one of the craziest places in the world today, doing horrendous evils, is what the culture seems to show us. And you're going to go there and tell them to repent. And Jonah's like, no, I don't want to do that because you're loving God. You're full of kindness and compassion. And if I tell them to repent and they actually do it, you won't blow them up. And I want you to blow them up. Sounds like a lot of people in the church these days. I would rather have you blow them up. God, I'm not going to do that. Jonah, the prophet, hears God's voice. And doesn't want to hear God's voice. And Jonah is so desperate to get away from it, he becomes suicidal. First he gets on a boat going the opposite direction. And then a storm comes on the boat. And Jonah knows what, why it's there. He knows if he just repents, the storm will go away and he can continue on his way. But he doesn't do that. First he draws straws to see if somebody might draw the short one and he'll get away with it. <laughs> and then when that doesn't work, he's like, rather than repent, just chuck me off the ship. And then Jonah faces death. I mean, the way the Bible is kind of telling the story is he practically died. He went down to the depths of Sheol is the way that he talks about it. But then he was saved in the last moment and death spit him back out. This is why Jesus quotes Jonah as a resurrection narrative. Jonah comes back to life in a sense and then does what he was supposed to do and then gets mad at God for doing what God said he would do having loving kindness and compassion on Nineveh. Sometimes even the prophets don't want to hear the things that they're told. Jeremiah, you ever read Jeremiah? The dude's like bipolar. One minute he's like way up here. Yes, God, have vengeance on your enemies. And then the next moment he's like, God, why do you hate me? Why did you make me do this? People, nobody likes me. He's just like Charlie Brown for the rest of it. He, he encounters both sides, those victorious moments of prophecy and the low moments. Elijah, Elijah experiences a high point where he sees God's power in a way that, that Israel has not seen in a long time. And then it's followed by the next story where he's like depressed and alone in a mountain cave. The highs and the lows of doing God's work, that sometimes happens with the prophets. You look at MLK and Bonhoeffer. Martin Luther King Jr. and Bonhoeffer were both prophets in their time, trying to tell the rest of the world, this is not how Jesus treats people. This is not how the church should be acting. Why is the church full of Nazis? Why is the church full of, of, of Nazi teaching? This isn't the church. Repent. Why is the church full of racists? Why is the church full of segregationists? This isn't the church. Repent. 
And they both get killed. Herod the fox takes Bonhoeffer in. He's put in jail, and then he's killed. Martin Luther King Jr., assassinated. They didn't want to hear the message. But sometimes, like Jesus, martyrdom actually becomes the more powerful way of communicating the message. That's a scary place. People hate the prophets, and you might too. They come with conviction. People don't typically like to hear that. They come with a minority view. People don't typically like to hear that. My introduction to, um, to like prophetic justice type stuff was Shane Claiborne. I was just reading his book because it was just a, another big Christian book that had come out. Reading it alongside everybody else. And then for once... In my life, I picked up a Christian book that wanted to challenge me <laughs> on the things I believed. It wasn't just a, hey, Jesus loves you, and I want to spend the next 200 pages telling you how radically he loves you. It was a, hey, Jesus loves you and died for you, and maybe you're not living the right way on some very basic things that you thought were like normal and okay. And suddenly I was challenged. I was like, whoa. How do they keep using scripture to make their points? <laughs> this isn't what I heard in the church. Nobody ever taught me this kind of stuff. Have I been doing this wrong the whole time? Is it possible that Jesus preached something challenging? This isn't gospel. Gospel good news. I'm just supposed to be loved. End of story. Saved from my sins. That's it. What's all this be faithful to Jesus and live out his ways? What's that have to do with the gospel? <laughs> we still get these challenges from people all the time. It's just the good news. Everything is good and easy and simple. Your best life now. But the gospel that Jesus preached was good news to the poor and the marginalized. And if it's going to be good news to them, then that means that there's going to have to be some adjustments of justice in the world. What's good news for the poor is not always good news for those who are getting by quite fine. And if we let the Holy Spirit convict us and grow in us the kind of fruit that he grows, we might actually move in the conviction that Jesus wants to give us. And people don't always like to kind of hear those sort of things. I remember I was having this... Uh, when there was a lot of shootings going on in the news all the time, I was having this debate about guns online. And I always try to do my best to keep it peaceful online um, and, and try to speak as calmly as I can. But I had one guy just super ticked as though, like, Jamin, you're telling me that Jesus doesn't want me to have guns and all these things. I'm like, yeah, I mean, when I read through the scriptures, this is the impression that I get, is that he's calling us to be pacifistic like the early church was. Um, that was not something I was convict on, convicted on before, uh, but as I continue to read scriptures and come across people with the kind of prophetic view of a different way, I, I was strangely convicted and convinced. And like one guy got super mad. You and I can talk later, Janice. 
Uh, but essentially, when it would be my view that when Jesus disarms Peter of his sword, he's disarming all Christians of their ability to uh, not protect themselves necessarily, but to kill in the name of Jesus or in the name of um, all kinds of different things. So that's a whole other message I'm happy to get into and have gotten into several other times. I can post you in the right direction. Um, but as I was talking about uh, those kinds of things, it, it really ruffled one guy's feathers. And what he especially did not like is that I quoted scripture to make my point. What's a pastor doing quoting scriptures to make his point? I don't know. But the response I got was, Jamin, I just want to let you know that I'm unfriending and unfollowing you. I've never heard a pastor post and talk the way you talk with such a political slant and bias. Quite frankly, I believe it's a very ignorant and one-sided approach. I love your dad. I could never imagine him presenting scripture like you do to almost prove a political point. It's almost as bad as what I see in the media. I hope you can find it in your heart to focus on things that encourage and build people up and not divide them further, because that's mostly what I see in your posts. Good luck, brother. In the name of not being divisive, we silence the prophets. Do you understand that the prophets were the most divisive people there were? <laughs> Jesus' own perspective of himself is, I have not come to bring peace but a sword. That's a different context, Janice, before you get confused. Jesus' own perspective of himself is me being here is not going to make your lives perfect and better. People are going to hate you because you follow me and you preach the things that I preach. When you tell the guy online that maybe scripture says to put your guns away, and suddenly they think that you're a political leftist with great bias misusing the scriptures. Well, when they hate you, they've hated me. When they revile you, they've reviled me. When they kill you, blessed are you, for so they killed the prophets before you. That's not the way that we like to live. Recognizing that if we're truly preaching gospel, if we're truly trying to challenge people, if we're truly trying to be prophetic... People will not want to hear it. And they will hate us. That does not feel like good news. But you can learn to suffer and be okay with it. Like the disciples, who after they were whipped for preaching Jesus shortly after the resurrection, they actually took great joy saying, we've been treated like Jesus. We're worthy. To, to follow him in this sense. Do you have that feeling? Somebody hurt me because I was trying to follow Jesus. Can that suddenly empower you rather than rip you apart? Because here's the problem. The ways in which we try to silence the prophets, like it doesn't matter if you bring up scripture. If they bring up scripture, you'll still tell them to shut up. You have to actually let your heart crumble a little bit. Last week I preached about disability, and I talked about how um, it's important to understand what disability is like from a disabled person's perspective uh, so that you can, can reach them better and serve them better. And I tell you, the book that I shared from last week, that book was hard for me to read because I was not aware of how ableist 
which is like the racist side of disability conversations, I was not aware of how ableist I was. And the lady who wrote that book used the word ableist a lot. <laughs> so it's not super helpful to be like, if you think this way, you're ableist. I'm like, oh, would you just call me? Literally like every page. Now I had an option. I could stop going through that book and stop feeling my feelings. But instead I said, yeah, she's right though. <laughs> and I put that down. That's not the way that we deal with things. When racism exploded over the last few years with the Black Lives Matters movement and all those kinds of things, people tried to just like, when they were called out on racist mannerisms, they were like, no, I'm not racist. Like they didn't even stop to think about it. I can't be racist because I have a black friend. I can't be racist because a black person espoused my view in their podcast last week. Okay, if you cannot calm your heart down to say, oh, is that racist? Could I actually be living into a racist mannerism without realizing it? Then you will always deflect and you will never grow. You will always get stuck. And the way that the prophets get shut up is by being called liberal, by being called woke, by being called progressive or communist or worldly or divisive. And I think that was the case throughout Scripture. The prophets of those times, I mean, they would have just used the same words against them. Whoa, Jeremiah wants us to serve the poor. <laughs> Talk about woke. Okay, you can't just come up with a word, decide it's collectively derogatory, and then assign it to every time somebody wants to talk about Jesus. Calm your hearts, put down your walls, and listen. If you do not, you will never hear the prophets, and you will not hear what Jesus is saying in the Gospels. We still, in the Free Methodist Church, I have been to meetings on racism where people are still missing the point because they just won't put down their guard. They just won't listen. And most of all, the response is usually, well, I believe in justice. It's just, you know, we do it the Jesus way. Okay, well, what's the Jesus way? I just forgive and love. Uh, what about justice? Well, that's what justice is. <laughs> This is a bigger conversation than that. The prophets die at Jerusalem. That's Jesus himself. No prophets die away from the holy place of Jerusalem. That's where the prophets go to be killed. The church does the same thing to their prophets. Now, there are two kinds of prophets. I mentioned this earlier. There's the charismatic stream of the church that talks about the kind of supernaturally Holy Spirit-guided prophets who listen to God's voice and then prophesy over you. We've already done that today. Somebody had a very tangible dream about that stove. It's a white stove, but you can't tell because it's so dirty. And yet, if you light a fire on it, which is what it needs, that fire will give light to the dirtiness so that you'll know to clean it. That is that kind of prophetic stream. That's a good word. That's a word I need to hear. That's a word we all need to hear. But also when God speaks, it comes out the other way too. You are abusing the people that I told you to love. 
That's one of the critiques that God seems to give to one of the churches in Revelation. You think they're getting a five-star review. You guys are doing this, 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 and this. And then Jesus is like big critique on them. You're going to lose your lampstand. You're going to lose your glory. You're going to lose the authority that I've given to you if you don't love like you used to love. Well, I thought we were doing so good. Yeah, but you just don't love like you used to love. Get back to that. Well, who do I have to love? Everyone. That's the point of the Good Samaritan story. It doesn't matter who they are. You love. So as we get ready for reveal, we're going to talk more in some of these directions in the second half of the day to help us understand kind of the supernatural worldview that the Bible gives of how prophetic justice and hearing God's voice are not supposed to be two different streams in the church. They belong together. One of the most unfortunate things that I watched with the charismatic side, and I'll end with this, the charismatic side of the church throughout all the pandemic and whatnot, was that they went Trump crazy. They felt that he was the Messiah. They prophesied that he was. One prophet, whom I actually have heard give really genuine words from God many times, went to the White House, gave a speech in front of Donald Trump, if I remember right, about how he had a dream that Donald Trump was going to be president for a second term. It didn't happen. That was a charismatic stream where trying to hear God's voice got confused by their own initiatives. And instead of just looking at the fruit of justice and saying, hey, this could really go haywire as we get to the points of insurrection and whatnot, they tried to just keep a stream of my feelings with the Holy Spirit instead of listening to the Holy Spirit and also trying to live out the fruit of what justice looks like. The two belong together. Otherwise, you will mess it up. If your prophetic hearing of God's voice is not just, then it's not God. If your justice voice of God is so much about justice that like, it's just caught up in a whole lot of different worldly movements, but the Holy Spirit never impacts it anywhere, that's also not justice. The two belong together. And that's where God speaks the most vibrantly. So, in two weeks, come. I want you to be there. I've never heard of a conference hitting on both those sides. And uh, I think it'll be good for all of us as we try to figure out how to follow God more closely. So, Jesus, we want to follow you closely. We don't want to shut you up. You are still speaking today through your Holy Spirit to us, and that is prophetic. You are also speaking to us through the leaders that you have raised up, because the New Testament continues to tell us that God has raised up prophets, that they are a part of the hierarchy of the church. And yet that's not something we zoom on. The biggest thing that we focus on in the church these days is, is pastors. And ironically, they're actually lower down the chain of, of authority. We need more apostles and prophets above pastors to be giving us direction so we know where to go. Because you speak to them in a special gifted kind of way. So continue to do that. Grow us and let us come closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.